Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, welcome. It is episode number 50 of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Wow, I don't know how we got to episode 50 so quickly. I started this project, this Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast, several months ago, and and it sort of spun out of something. I, I had been an attendee at a conference, and the speaker said, if you want to be inspired, if you want to find sort of new ways to look at the world, one of the pieces of advice that he gave was go out and interview 50 people. And he was talking about doing this like for your blog or, or to write articles for industry publications. But his advice was if you go out and interview 50 people, what's going to happen is at the end of this project, you're going to be so much more inspired. You're going to learn stuff and, and you're just going to feel that spark inside. You can't help but be better after you've interviewed 50 people. And, and that resonated with me and I, I wanted to do that. And so I originally thought I was going to do this for my blog. And then as I was preparing for it, podcasts had become more popular. I was listening to a lot more podcasts and I just got the idea that let's go ahead and, and, and try it in this format. And one of the pieces of advice I got from a podcaster was it's probably going to take you a hundred shows before, not before you're good, but before you get really comfortable with it. So today we're at show number 50. So I think I'm halfway there to feeling really comfortable with this. And I appreciate those of you who've listened to some of the episodes and who've come along on this journey. So we're going to start today and I think we're going to have a great show. But before we get going, I have been starting every single show with a tip for solopreneurs. April 1st is going to mark six years that I have been full-time working for myself. And along the way, I have learned a lot of things. I've, I've done some stuff right. I've made some mistakes. I've bonked my head against the wall several times. And people always ask me sort of, what have you learned? So I started writing down the tips that I think really matter if you want to jump out there and, and do your own thing. And today's tip, we're up to tip number 12. And today's tip is a simple one. And some people might say, well, duh, of course. But really, I think in the business world, this tip gets overlooked a lot. And tip number 12 is have fun. Because if you're going to go work for yourself, you should be enjoying it. There's, there's enough pressures in life that we all encounter. And if you get up and, and you're working for yourself and it's just a grind, that's not the reason that, that I left corporate America. And I don't think it's the reason that most other people who are seeking to, to become solopreneurs or entrepreneurs – I don't think they're doing it so that they can just feel that same old grind when they roll out of bed. So remember that you got to have fun along the way. And, and sometimes in order to do that, you have to carve out some time to look at your business with that, that fresh set of eyes, that passion that you started with so that you have fun. And today's guest, I think he has fun along the way. So I think that's a good segue. Today's guest is Steve Harper, and he is known as Mr. Ripple because he is the author of a book called The Ripple Effect – Maximizing the Power of Relationships for Your Life and Business. And he is also a trainer and a serial entrepreneur. In fact, I think Steve put the serial in serial entrepreneur because I've known him exactly 10 years. We met at the time we were both about to release our first books. And over that time, I have seen him, you know, start a lot of new companies and be involved with things. And he's always trying something. So I, I joke that he put the cereal in serialpreneur and maybe it's a little bit of cornflakes and a little bit of Rice Krispies, but he stirred it all up and, and has made a real successful go at this. And so I'm really excited to have Steve 
as guest number 50, or at least on show number 50. A couple of those shows, I don't think I had guests, but I'm really glad to have him here on episode 50 of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Steve? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, you forgot the Captain Crunch. I think I've got some Captain Crunch in there, too. Well, that's because you need a little bit of sugar because you're kind of sweet. So that's good. <laughs> so, or hyper, one of the two. <laughs> or both. There you go. Well, I'm honored to be here for sure. And, and uh, your 50th episode, I mean, I, I am honored. You know, I, uh, I am certainly uh, excited to, to be a part of the uh, 50th episode because I've been listening to the, uh, the podcast for a while and I just love what you do. I love the energy and enthusiasm you bring to the content and the information that you share and the highlight, um, you know, how you highlight some really interesting entrepreneurs that are doing some really great work. So Steve, thank you very much. And Steve, why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about what you do? Cause I think I might've been a little bit vague. Hey, he's a speaker and trainer and entrepreneur. Why don't you let people know who you are and, and what you do? Well, you know, um, that's a great question. I think, uh, I'm still trying to figure out what I do myself. I, uh, <laughs> I am, like you said, a serial entrepreneur. I've been involved in a couple of different ventures over the years. Um, you were talking about April being your um, sixth year working for yourself. And I was thinking, God, how many years while you were saying that, how many years have I been working for myself? I think I started my first company when I was 22. And uh, so this is coming up on my 23rd year, which is uh, unbelievably hard to believe. But uh, it's it. Uh, it, it's been a lot of fun. I, I today I, I have a couple of technology companies. I'm involved in a couple of software ventures, and my main passion is my consulting and speaking. You know, you know, business, which is centered around a, a company called The Ripple Effect, uh, aptly named after my book. And I help organizations and individuals, much like you do, uh, understand the importance of connection and building your network, and understanding the importance of you know, creating the types of relationships that uh, you depend on for your success. And so that's, that's my, uh, my main passion. So Steve, you were 22 when you made the leap. Did you ever have a job working like a, a real corporate job? You know, I never, you know, no offense to my previous bosses, but no, they pretty much worked with um, smaller, you know, you know, corporations. I think the biggest company I worked for maybe had 50 employees at one point, but for the most part, uh, I, I successfully avoided going to work in corporate America. I had a couple of opportunities to join a couple of companies uh, in that uh, in that space. Uh, I had a couple of early clients that turned out to be, you know, rock star organizations. Uh, you know, the vignettes and pervasives of the world that when they started were two or three person organizations when I was working with them and had opportunities to join companies like that. I actually had an opportunity to join Dell pretty early on and uh, just couldn't see my way to, uh, you know, working, you know, in a corporate environment. I just, I loved entrepreneurship too much. So what led you to say, nah, I don't want to get involved with one of these funded startups or with Dell. I want to just carve my own path. What was the, what was the little calling inside of you that made you say, I'm going to go for it? Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, the, the seed of entrepreneurship got placed in me probably somewhere in the neighborhood of my freshman or sophomore year in high school. And you and I are both big fans of Harvey McKay, uh, author of a good number of books. But um, the first book that he wrote was uh, Swim with the Sharks Without Being Eaten Alive. And uh, my dad was an engineer by trade, Was actually found himself um, you know, back home. I was, I'm originally from Albuquerque. Uh, in a management role and trying to understand the uh, development of new markets and emerging opportunities for their organization and was really trying to, you know, catch up. Uh, being an engineer, he was always focused on a certain, you know, area of, of development for that organization. And as he transitioned into more of a managerial role and uh, was now leading people, um, 
found himself trying to learn as much as he could about business in general. And somewhere along the line, somebody recommended that book to him. And uh, he happened to mention it to me one day and said, hey, I think you might enjoy this book. There's some really interesting stories. I really like the guy's um, style of telling, you know, some of these, what he calls them, I think, McKay's morals at the end of every chapter. I may have that wrong, but um, really, I, I read this book and I was hooked from the minute um, <laughs> that I started reading it. And at the time I was in high school, I got involved in DECA, which was uh, an organization that was sort of, you know, was over the uh, marketing education classes. It was a club that you belong to and you got to compete and learn about entrepreneurship. And then, um, you know, you could do all these different competitions. And I actually ended up finding sort of this real passion for that process. I was, you know, I, I just, I was bitten by the entrepreneur bug. I actually ended, ended up going on to, you know, compete at both a state and national level for DECA and, um, it changed my life in a lot of ways. And I, so I knew coming out of high school that I was going to own my own business. It was just a matter of what and where would I put my focus. And nowadays, I think a lot of, you know, teenagers and early 20 somethings come out of high school and college with that understanding and that confidence that they can do it. But 23 years ago, Steve, you were sort of ahead of the curve. I mean, your friends must have looked at you like you were crazy not to want to go get the job with Procter and Gamble or, you know, some training program or something like that. Yeah, I, um, you know, I had a, a fair number of folks that um, kept giving me pushback along the way, especially as I had started my company, became a successful entrepreneur. And then these corporate opportunities were starting to present themselves to me. You know, I was, you know, newly married and, um, you know, being an entrepreneur, as you know, is not a guarantee to be successful. <laughs> There's a lot of stress attached to it. And, and, um, especially in the early days of my first company, cash flow was a major problem. And, you know, the, the fact that you're, um, really kind of, uh, you know, hanging yourself out there on the tightrope with no safety net was a, was a scary thing. And so I had a good number of folks that, um, you know, kept trying to encourage me to approach, you know, the, the corporate world, take my talents and into a more secured environment where you could guarantee yourself a paycheck and potentially a lot more money, you know, every month because, you know, you're part of that sustained organization. And that just, for me, never, um, never was appealing. And, uh, you know, I'm sure probably to my wife's credit would have been a lot more appealing for her. Um, you know, especially being, you know, newly married and, you know, financial, you know, security and our future was sort of, you know, hinging in the balance, but she never once gave up on me. She knew I was, you know, destined for good things and, and she always supported it. And it combined with her and my dad, who's my greatest hero, just always encouraging me, which, you know, for, for my dad and to, to know him, I never would have originally thought he would be the, the number one cheerleader for me. You know, he's just, he's a cor company man, corporate guy, you know, always, you know, always did what was in the best, uh, interest of the family and your financial future and security and entrepreneurship in a lot of cases is not that. And so uh, I would have assumed if I had had anybody that would have tried to sway me one way or the other to go the corporate route, it would have been him. But I think he saw that I had the potential to be successful and encouraged it. Well, you know, it's interesting when people ask me if I have any regrets, the only thing that really ever comes to mind is I wish I started working for myself earlier. So yep. the fact that, you know, you jumped out there and, and, and did that, I, I applaud you for that because I think it's scary at any age. It's scary to start this, you know, at 42 versus, you know, 22. However, you know, at the same time, the thing I learned along the way was that safe job wasn't safe. 
I worked for five companies that entirely went out of business or pulled out of Central Texas. And it wasn't because of me, but it was just the, the, the economy. It was what was going on you know, with government regulations. There were a lot of different things that, that led to this. But I watched a lot of safe jobs or, as you said, smart jobs for a person with a young family. I watched a lot of those things evaporate. So yep. I applaud you for realizing that earlier before it was sort of trendy. Yeah, well, I appreciate that very much. And you know, and I, you know, you and I were friends when some of those things were occurring. And it's, uh, for me, it was one of those, when I saw that happening to friends like yourself and, and, you know, other friends that, you know, would, would come in one day and have been doing a great job for, you know, a major company like a Dell or, you know, you know, large organization like that. And then suddenly a decision is made in some other part of the com- company that, you know, unfortunately, you know, they're, they're, you know, that impacts, you know, that role that, you know, you're just suddenly without a job. It's, it's a challenge. And it's, uh, I feel for a lot of people, cause I think that, you know, a lot of great people that were contributing great things to companies, uh, unfortunately get caught up in bad set of circumstances. And, and you, you know, like you mentioned, you, you sort of found yourself in that kind of boat as well. But I think a lot of res- resourceful people like yourself end up deciding, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to continue to go down, to the, you know, down that path or, you know, continue to dig you know, towards that well, because it's, it's not something that I enjoy. I don't like being uh, out of control and, and having my, my future dictated by someone else that, you know, I may or not may or may not have ever met. So you mentioned that you were inspired by How to Swim with the Sharks Without Being Eaten Alive by Harvey McKay. And we've talked about this before. Harvey was a big inspiration for me, both when I was a salesperson and then also as, as I went on to become a speaker. And it's, it's fascinating, just a little sideline. I had the opportunity this summer to sit down with him for about an hour and a half and interview him for an article. I, I didn't interview him for the podcast because I didn't have the podcast yet, but I interviewed him for an article for Speaker Magazine that was in, I think, the September 14 or October 14 edition. And it was so neat to be able to sit down with him because he was sort of a mentor to me, even though he didn't know me per se, but he was a mentor to me in my career, both when I was in sales and when I became a speaker. Who else was a mentor to you? Maybe somebody who, in this case, who you actually knew, who was, you mentioned your dad as well. Were there other people who sort of mentored you? Oh yeah, there, God, I have so many. It's hard to hard to uh, you know your your podcast isn't long enough to give them all the due credit. <laughs> but you know, I I it kind of goes back to some of my initial first bosses that you know saw potential in me and, and took me under their wing. And believe it or not, one of the biggest and strongest uh, mentors that I still have in in my life. Not don't talk to him as often, and and uh, we're not as active with one another, um, today because, you know, he's, he's since retired, but was my DECA advisor back in high school. I had, um, my original, you know, my original goal and ambition in life was to be a, become a professional soccer player. I was really good at soccer. I had uh, a very good skill and ability and loved the game. And then I blew out my knee. And back in those days, um, it wasn't like your Adrian Peterson, they don't surgically repair you and you're back on the field a, a year from now. It's, at that point, it was, hey, you pretty much are done. You've got to go pick another sport or go do something. And I went through a really dark period um, in my, in, in my you know, kind of my freshman year into my early sophomore year. And, you know, I grew up in an environment where, you know, we weren't, you know, we weren't poor. We weren't, you know, in a bad area of town or anything. But there was definitely some seedy elements that would have been easy for me to easily associate with. And this teacher saw me kind of headed down a, you know, a path maybe that wasn't so good and, you know, knew that part of that came from, you know, my, I, I would say nothing more than just depression about, you know, the fact that I thought my entire life was wrapped up in athletics and moving, 
one direction and then suddenly, you know, the rug gets pulled out from underneath you and you're done. And uh, he encouraged me at the same time I get introduced to Harvey's book at the same time he's talking to me about entrepreneurship and that you're, you know, the potential for you to be able to do things in life um, is there for the taking if you choose to put in the work and the effort and, and do that. And he, um, his name's Jay Stevenson. And, and he, I think has had one of the biggest influences on my life in terms of helping me be where I am today. And, you know, sort of belie- helping me believe in myself when, you know, I couldn't once even fathom the potential of being, you know, you know, a, you know, what being a speaker is so far removed from what I thought I could do. I'm, I'm naturally shy and introverted. Getting up on stage is a scary experience. It still is for me today, but he believed in me all those years back and would not give up on me and just continue to push me and encourage me to take on extra workload outside of school so that I could learn everything I could about entrepreneurship, understanding marketing, understanding sales, understanding the concepts of what it took to be successful in business. And always kept saying whether you're moving towards a corporate job or whether you're looking to start your own thing, these things will come back to serve you in ways you can't imagine. And, and, you know, clearly it did. So that's great. And that's wonderful that, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people forget that we all had mentors along the way. And when I ask this question of a lot of people, few people think back to like their high school teacher. And I think that's great that he had that kind of an impact on you. And I actually think that maybe David Beckham is really glad you blew out your knee because maybe you <laughs> would have been the one who would have been the biggest soccer star of your age group. And, and he wouldn't have. And, you know, he never would have, you know, met a Spice Girl and all that stuff because you would have taken his spot in soccer. Is that right? That That's potential. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, Victoria Beckham used to call me, but you know, I don't know. We, that's a completely different podcast story. No, I'm just kidding. No, it, you know, and it, everything comes full circle. I'm, you know, I've, I, I turned that passion for the game into this will be my uh, 23rd year coaching uh, youth soccer and something that I'm, I'm passionate about. And I love, you know, being able to share the love of the game. I've done it with my boys, um, both of which are excellent soccer players, way better than I ever thought I was back in the day. And um, I, I foresee good things for them if they choose to continue down that path that they could potentially play at the collegiate level and maybe, you know, pro or semi-pro down the road. But um, I've just enjoyed coaching all these years. Kids, you know, even before I had kids, it was a passion of mine just to spread the love of the game and all the lessons that I've been able to take from that sport and understanding the team concept and be able to parlay that into, you know, what I do now for organizations with leadership training or, you know, helping people understand how to engage, you know, a a team behind an entrepreneurial idea and carry it forward and see it to fruition. And a lot of those, you know, a lot of those lessons learned came from my experience on the soccer field and, and since coaching it. That's excellent. So Steve, what do you absolutely just, you know, quickly, what do you love about the life of an entrepreneur? I love, the life of being an entrepreneur, uh, I, I think the thing I love the most, I should say, is probably the freedom. Um, it's not always the financial value, you know, obviously, you, you know, that those, there's challenges relative to that, you know, because, you know, being an entrepreneur doesn't guarantee that you're going to, you know, always be driving a nice car or living in a big house or, you know, but I, I, for me, entrepreneurship has always given me the freedom. I, I make my own schedule. I get to do the things that I, I want to do when I want to do it. Um, and I would say the the benefit to me as a parent that is really come full circle for me as an entrepreneur is that I get to be there for my kids. Um, it has 
allowed me to go to the school plays. It's allowed me to go to the award ceremonies during the day. It's allowed me to, you know, to, to take off in the middle of the afternoon to go coach a soccer practice with one of my sons or, you know, be a part of that perspective of their life. And I, you know, I, I don't, I know that there are parents that can do that with eight to five jobs, but it's harder. And I know that they always have this pressing guilt. And for me, the entrepreneurship has given me that freedom to not have that guilt. Um, I'm getting better at, at trying to, you know, just live for the moment and enjoy it. You and I were talking about it before we started the podcast about just, you know, something that we're working on for the upcoming year. And for me, it's uh, really being fully there uh, for my family. And I'm looking back, you know, you keep feeding these kids, they keep getting bigger, right? Mine's, you know, <laughs> oldest is 16 and my youngest is 11 going on 12. And um, you don't get that time back. And I think one of the challenges that I had as an entrepreneur, I was pushing so hard, so you know, fast in, in, in their early years uh, that I sometimes didn't take the time to take a breath and enjoy the moment with them. And I have regret because of that. And I'm trying to make up for lost time relative to that. And I don't think I would have that flexibility if it wasn't for living the entrepreneur life. I th- and I think you bring up a wonderful point. People always talk to me because I have I have an 18-year-old and a 13-year-old, and they ask me, they say, how is it that with, you know, you travel so much? Well, from the outside, it looks like I travel more than I do because, you know, I don't post things when I'm sitting at home, you know, having a cup of coffee. So people see that I'm traveling on social media and other stuff. But the other thing is, is that while I have traveled a lot, when I'm home, when I'm actually in the city where we live, when I'm here in Austin, I'm home. And so yep. I, I drove my youngest daughter when she was in elementary school. I drove her to school most days, probably 80% of the time I did carpool for her because, you know, I was home a lot. And so I was, you know, when I had worked in a corporate job, I had to leave the house before the kids in order to yep. beat traffic. And so the, the advantage to me was the same thing. It's like when I'm home, I can be fully home. And when I travel, that's just part of, you know, the kids kind of joke, that's how daddy buys the toys, is that's just, part of, that's just part of the business that I've chosen. But when I was a sales and marketing person, I had to go to conferences or go visit clients. So I, I traveled some. And, you know, but when I was home, I still had to be at work from eight in the morning until six at night. So it gives me the flexibility as well. So is there anything that you don't love? about being an entrepreneur? Is there ever that day where you wake up in the morning and, you know, you're on your morning bicycle ride or having your cup of coffee and you think, God, what if I had taken that job with Dell 20 years ago? <laughs> well, yeah, clearly I think that, uh, you, you, you do wish that you had some of those opportunities and you could have, uh, you could be more financially rewarded because maybe you invested early in a company or, you know, some of the folks that I knew at Dell, um, that are, you know, significantly well off financially because they were engaged in that company early, early on are a great example. But, you know, I kind of look at that and think you can't, you know, you can't cry over spilt milk. I can't, I can't fix what happened yesterday. I can only focus on what I have today and what's ahead of me. And so I've tried not to live in the past or worry about those kinds of things. I think that if I was going to say probably the one, you know, the one dynamic that is, you know, a challenge I think for any entrepreneur is, you know, is the way that, um, not to get too political because, you know, it, you know, that's not the nature of the podcast, but I think the uncertainty of where uh, the country is headed is the government's attitude towards small business and entrepreneurship is always concerning um, to me. I think that's the one area that kind of bothers me a little bit, you know, whether you're a supporter of Obamacare or not, um, the impact it has on uh, small businesses and, and specifically us as entrepreneurs and the burden that we have because of the cost of health care uh, you know, I know 
there's multiple attitudes about where that is, if it's good or if it's bad. And I'm not here to judge, but I do think that the, the uneasiness and the uncertainty in that area is definitely, you know, one area of entrepreneurship that's a little risky and a little scary. Um, and, you know, I know I don't, um, I'm not alone in that attitude. I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of small business owners about it. And it's, it's one of those things that you did, you know, cost of healthcare just continues to rise. And, and, uh, that's a huge burden for us is, is, uh, you know, growing, thriving enterprises to, to, to burden and shoulder. Well, so, and, and mine is getting almost to be, you know, not quite double, but it's, it's on its way to being double my mortgage to pay mm-hmm. for healthcare for a family of four, you know, and it's, it's crazy, but you know, we have to have it. And so, you know, we have to figure out a way to, to make it happen. And, and I do think you're right. I think that, you know, a lot of the way our government has thought was big business. I think, you know, throughout the last hundred years, most people, or at least many seem to have worked for larger corporations or that's who's, you know, funded a lot of the growth engine. But I think that's changing. And I think that we need to get our hands around the fact how many people are solopreneurs or small business owners and what that really means when it comes to the way our taxes are set up. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, I think that the the big challenge and your point exactly when you're talking about, you know, healthcare costs being double what your mortgage is, one advantage of entrepreneurship is in and, and I've seen this over the course of my career, it's like, well, as an entrepreneur, I just need to go make more money. I need to go do more. <laughs> that's and right. I have that flexibility where that's not afforded to you in a corporation, you where you're on fixed salary and you know, raises are gonna be, you know, scarce, uh, especially with increased costs to the business, you know, the you know, where do they put their money towards, you know, the benefits package or towards, you know, you know, your salary. And that's, you don't have that luxury a lot of times when you're hamstring to a corporate job, so to speak, because you can't just go out and produce more widgets and make more money. But as an entrepreneur, you do that. The one challenge that I have and the, I, I would say the one resentment towards that is that, you know, there's no limit. Uh, and the problem is, is that, uh, as an entrepreneur, you know, you constantly feel like you've got to get out and push harder than you did last year or the year before, uh, to make about the same amount, just because now you're just trying to cover the cost. And that part is extremely frustrating to me because, uh, you know, there's, you know, there's college, you know, education to pay for, for my two kids, there's retirement that I hope to have someday. And, (laughs) um, you know, as an entrepreneur, that's, you know, that's another sign of the lack of safety net in a lot of capacities. And that, that bothers me. That concerns me a great deal. So, Steve, you've been doing this for over two decades. So if someone's listening to the podcast and they're thinking, God, I wish I had done this at 22, or maybe they are 22, and they're thinking, you know, to heck with that. I'm going to go start my own thing. What advice do you have for someone who wants to just go create their own path? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I think you have to have to be fully committed to do it. I see a lot of entrepreneurs that do it, um, you know, and they're not 100% in. They're either in between jobs or they're... Uh, you know, they're not following the entrepreneur path because they're passionate about what they're doing. And I think to be successful, you have to have that passion. Um, tip number 12 that you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I think is another huge component is that you have to fun, have fun doing what it is that you do. If, if what you do is a grind and, uh, it feels like a job, it'll just be a different kind of job, right? You know, yeah. at the end of the day, it's instead of being, you know, chained to the, the corporate desk, you're chained to your own desk and, and you're less happy and you're less secure in a lot of ways. So you have to be, you have to be passionate. You have to be willing to have, you know, have fun at doing what you're doing. And, um, I think the biggest thing that you have to, you know, the best advice I could give you is if you're going to dive in with both feet, you can't give up. I mean, you've got to put a hundred percent effort towards, delivering on whatever it is that you're going to do. And, uh, I see 
a lot of, you know, I call them wannapreneurs, people that really think they want to be entrepreneurs because they think that, you know, the life that you and I live is, is so grand and awesome. And, and it is in a lot of ways, but they don't see the effort and the work that gets put in behind the scenes. They don't see the, the midnight oil, um, you know, burning, you know, at one, two o'clock in the morning when we're trying to, you know, get a proposal out or we're working with a consulting client that we're trying to help them foster and de- develop that strategy. Um, they just see the the output and the benefits and the fact, God, you're so lucky you get to be at your kid's soccer game at, at uh, you know, 4.30 in the afternoon or whatever. And, you know, the the reality is I think, you, you know, for a lot of entrepreneurs or the wantrepreneurs is I don't think that they see all the hard work that goes into it. And you've got to have 100% committed uh, commitment behind it because you got to be committed because um, your success, your family's success, your livelihood and your financial well-being is all dependent on that effort that you put forward. And I heard somebody say years and years ago, the only time, you know, success comes before work is in the dictionary. And it's, <laughs> it's something that has always stuck with me because as an entrepreneur, you're going to work harder than you have ever worked in your life. You're going to be rewarded less than you'll ever be rewarded in a lot of ways. Um, but at the end of the day, you're the one that can, you know, you know, sort of puff out that chest and say, I created that. I did that. I made that happen. And, um, you know, that to me is the ultimate reward. Well, and I heard Chris Brogan say one time after he had reached sort of the pinnacles of sort of social media fame and success, people said, oh, he's an overnight success. And he wrote a series of articles and spoke about it in a couple speeches he gave about, yes, the 15 years that he struggled to become an overnight success. And yep. no, nobody thinks about what he did the, the previous decade when he when he wasn't, you know – famous and when he wasn't getting all those opportunities and when he wasn't a well-known, you know, expert that people turn to. And he said, you know, people, people call me an overnight success. They've sort of missed the last 10 or 15 years of, of all the work that goes into it. And you bring up another point that you said, you know, you, you got to not quit. And obviously there are times when your, your ladder's against the wrong wall. So obviously there's times you should, but sure. when I was doing this, when I was starting off, there were a lot of, you know, friends or, or acquaintances who were kind of naysayers about it. Cause my family, we hemorrhaged cash the first first two years that I was working for myself. And we went through a lot of savings and ran up credit card debt. And it was really stressful. And I had one person in my life say to me, well, when are you going to just quit and say, I'm not going to make it? And my answer was, I don't know. That Then my wife had a, a line in the sand that I could spend so much money and so much time. And we had to be earning, we had to have taken off the runway at that point. But I did say that I know that 100% of the people who quit don't make it. So mm-hmm. that was sort of my thought was, you know, until until this car goes off the cliff, I got to keep going because, you know, maybe there's wings here. And, and it turned out I was able, you know, two years into it, we were able to kind of regamp, you know, revamp our, our, our earning. Now we had to spend the next two or three years paying off a lot of debt. So that was no fun. But, uh, you know, we eventually got there. So it's I think you're right. You got to be committed because there's going to be struggles along the way. Yeah. And you'll always have doubters, I think, in your life. Um, you know, for me, I have a sibling that, you know, almost every chance they got, they would ask me, so when are you going to go get a real job? <laughs> and um, it was that sibling that came to me when they would found themselves, you know, displaced from a corporate job and no network, you know, that was coming to their little brother for advice <laughs> on how to position themselves and how to get reengaged with the workforce. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny because, you know, those those seeds that sort of get planted by other people about the potential for doubt or that, you know, you can't make it or you're, you're not good enough or you're not smart enough or you don't have the education or the background. Um, I think for the weak minded, you know, you know, weak minded people that, you know, they, they're never successful as entrepreneurs because they, they constantly struggle. 
um, and they're constantly riddled with doubt, both self-doubt, and they'll take everybody else's opinion. And for me, it was, you know, screw you. I'm going to prove you, you know, <laughs> you know, prove to you how successful I can be despite all of the limitations that you perceive I may have. And so I use those doubters and, you know, some from family, some from friends as my, you know, my motivation. It's the thing that kept that, you know, fire on my belly lit all these years and continue to keep, you know, keep me focused and, you know, honing in on, you know, the, the, you know, the areas that I, I want to be successful in. And so I think that's another thing is that you can't, you know, from a entrepreneur's perspective is you can't, uh, you got to listen to some of the criticism because there's some, some good nuggets and knowledge to be, to, to be gained there. But, you know, you also know when it comes from a place of sincerity and, you know, true commitment to helping you, you know, you know, understand limitations or, you know, potentially maybe you're headed down the wrong path. Like you said, the ladder against the wrong wall, but you also have to have a short memory. And I think you also sometimes have to have to say, you know, some people come at that because they, they're jealous, you know, and they don't want you to be successful because they never took that same path. And they, they, there's a little bit of resentment that you're taking control of your life and making stuff happen. And I think some of that is easy for us to kind of forget when we're in the moment. And you got to remember that, you know, you got to be your best number one cheerleader. Cause if you're not, um, you know, there's likely not going to be others that would be bigger, better cheerleaders for you than yourself. Well, that's right. I think I think that you have to, if you're going to go down this path, you, you, you have to believe in yourself and you have to be able to, to pick and choose which advice you listen to. And when you listen to somebody and say, wow, thank you so much, and then yep. just go do your own thing. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> hey, Steve, we could talk about Steve Harper all day long, and I'm sure that everybody would be thrilled with that. However, I think some of the best entrepreneurs are observers. And mm-hmm. I I'd love to ask my guests, who is it besides yourself and all the cool things you're doing, who is it that you see out there that's doing something cool? Well, you know, you're clearly doing something. I pay attention to what you're doing. I mean, aside from being friends, I mean, I, I you inspire and motivate me with, you know, all the different things that you've got your uh, yourself into with the podcast and the different books and, you know, your approach to speaking and what you do for conferences. I mean, clearly, you know, we we started off at the at the same time, but, you know, you've really you've really done a great job. And so I, I pay attention and, and I, I take note and, and, you know, try and emulate. I, I think there are a couple of um, great folks. I mean, people that I've, I've uh, looked to Kelsey August, we both have in common is a good friend of ours. Um, she and I started our first businesses to get about the same time. Uh, she was maybe a little bit ahead of me, but she has always been a great mentor and a great person for, um, you know, for me throughout the years, regardless of what I might be facing or what I might be doing, we've always been able to lean on one another and absolutely and leverage that experience and expertise. And she's she's successful in so many different areas of her life and career that she um, continually you know you know encourages me to to want to be a better person and and to continue to reach out to to new opportunities and be successful um, and you know be fully committed. And so you know though you, you know there's Local influences, obviously, I pay attention to a lot of the local entrepreneurs around Austin. I'm I'm really inspired by a lot of the, I hate to say it, I, I never thought I would be the old guy that would say I'm inspired by the young people <laughs> well, that are coming all up. All these young whippersnappers are pretty Jesus. inspiring, yeah, Steve. <laughs> I'm, I feel really bad about saying that because I said I would never be that. But, you know, I love speaking at universities and in high schools or, you know, and get an opportunity to do that around the country. And I just see a lot of these kids that are coming up and, and, 
uh, you know, that have, you know, this wide eyed enthusiasm and, and excitement for entrepreneurship that you know, it's, it's really inspiring to see. And I think people like that really um, inspire me to want to continue down the path and keep going. And I, you know, I think probably the, the better known kind of entrepreneurs that are my heroes, Harvey McKay is definitely one of them. I would say, um, you know, another one would be Richard Branson. I pay attention to what he does and I, I follow his blog, Mark Cuban, um, you know, whether you like the Dallas Mavericks or his brashness on the Shark Tank, I think the guy's an incredibly smart guy, and I really uh, try and drink up as much as I possibly can from him. And then, you know, just watching some people that are, you know, sort of just by hook or crook or entrepreneurs, just through what they've done, like, you know, authors like Malcolm Gladwell, who's, you know, really turned, you know, some really obscure writing into some amazingly successful books and observations about what he sees in life and, you know, the patterns and what makes people successful and how you become sort of that quote unquote overnight success, you know, you know, like he talks about in Blink and the 10,000 hours. I, I just try and pull my inspiration from a, a wide variety of folks. And, you know, I look for and try and find the lessons that, you know, these folks are sharing, you know, cause that's as an entrepreneur, you know, and you've got entrepreneurs that listen to this show, there are teachers everywhere. And, you know, there are, there's so much that you can learn if you're willing to, to stop, you know, pay attention, you know, read and, you know, listen to what some of these folks like Tom are, are sharing with, with you, because those are the nuggets that will carry you through when you, when you have doubt or you're trying to find the confidence to take that product to market, or you're trying to vet that idea so that you can go get funding as a startup or, Simply, you just need to figure out how to connect with people better. You know, there are people out there that you can learn from and you can, there's just so much that you can, you know, pull from, you know, people that are out there doing it, not have done it, but are continuing to do it day in and day out. They're they're your greatest teachers. Sure, absolutely. So, Steve, the final question I ask everybody is, in addition to being great observers, I think entrepreneurs always kind of find their way to, to leave their mark or give back or just do something to help the greater good. What is it that you do? So, you know, I mentioned that I'm a soccer coach. I've been a soccer coach for a long time. I, I like to think that I take a different tact in terms of leadership, and I use that as my way to make a mark. I've been involved in a lot of different nonprofits, Junior Achievement, uh, you know, Jen Austin. I'm passionate about helping young girls embrace and understand the importance of uh, entrepreneurship and the roles that they'll play in that and uh, having control of their own lives and um, not shying away from, you know, opportunities to uh, you know, to learn about math and science and all those things that, you know, just, you know, seems to, you know, get knocked out of them around eighth or ninth grade, unfortunately. So I'm real passionate about those kinds of things. I'm real passionate about, uh, helping kids of any kind, you know, of, of any background, any, you know, any, any kind of environment that may grow up that they understand that they, they, you know, where they come from does not define where they go. And, so I'm real passionate about helping them understand, you know, the potential and the, the opportunities of where where they can, you know, where they can take their life if they're truly committed to it. And I think entrepreneurship, business in general, has a, a huge uh, responsibility to, you know, help these, you know, these young people find their path and, and make something out of their lives. And so, I'm, you know, those are the those are the areas that I focus in on now well, know, for the most part. 
And I love it that when we asked about your mentors, you talked about when you were an adolescent and the coach or the teacher, excuse me, who came through and sort of helped mentor you. And then when I ask how you give back, you go and do the same thing. I think <laughs> that's what entrepreneurs do. They, they, they learn from their own life and then find a way either with their businesses or when it comes to the way they give back to be able to somehow, you know, learn from that experience and, and pay it forward. To, to use a term, or to use a term, sort of the ripple effect. If you throw a pebble into the pond, how does yep. that go, Steve? Yeah, you toss that pebble in, it ripples out, but it always ripples back to you without <laughs> question. So, Well, Mr. Ripple, thank you so much for being a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, and I am so glad I asked you to be on show number 50. If somebody listened and they said, I want to know more about Mr. Ripple and the Ripple Effect and Steve Harper, and that's Steve Harper, the speaker trainer, not Steve Harper, the Prime Minister of Canada. <laughs> thank you for that clarification. I've, I appreciate that. I've always thought you had a social media problem that I didn't have, and that is when people Google you, the first thing that comes up is the Prime Minister of Canada. It's like, <laughs> oof, not what they're looking for. Um, so how can people find you? So a couple of ways. Uh, my website is ripplecentral.com. Uh, I'm also on Twitter, at RippleOn. That's R-I-P-P-L-E-O-N. Uh, I also have a podcast, as as you know, and we're going to you know have you on as a guest when I figure out how to start interviewing people and making it sound good. But um, <laughs> it's called the Ripple Effect Podcast uh, with Steve Harper. And yeah, that's I mean, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on all the major, you know, cool tools that uh, people are using these days. But uh, Twitter is probably my main, you know, my main source of putting something out. I like to put out a ripple thought of the day every day. And then I put a reminder about making a difference do a countdown every year. So, Well, and you do make a difference. And again, thank you for being on the show. And to those of you who have tuned in and listened, we ran a little bit long on this episode, but that's because Steve had so many great things to share. Those of you who've listened in, thank you. You're as important or more important than myself and the guests that we interview. Because as we say in the outro of the show, without the listeners, there would be no show. So thank you very much for tuning in. Jump on over to the Facebook page and get involved there. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Tom Singer, T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R, or at Cool Podcast. We'll be back in a couple of days with another episode. But in the meantime, go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.